From Bristol, UK, I'm Pommy Harmer. And I'm Melissa Shemam, and this is The Quarantini. Every episode, we bring you a mix of ingenious responses to the virus, creative ideas for the future, an in-depth interview, and maybe a dash of the unexpected. And so this week, Melissa, what is the unexpected that we have? Yeah, this week we're really proud of this unexpected. We got a song from a brand new album from the Bristol-born band Idols. It's called An M, and we'll listen to it at the end of this episode. Stay with us. And now it's time for our interview. Yes, so this week for episode 23, we thought we'd bring you some light relief in the form of Holly Stoppit. She's a clown, a clown teacher, a drama therapist, a theatre director, and I started by asking her why she became a clown. I didn't really have a choice. I mean, I've got a really stupid face. I tried this face in many different contexts and it didn't really, nothing really made sense until I committed to my journey as a clown. I was born in the circus. I was brought up in the circus. And so there was a lot of, I did a lot of performance as a young person and I really liked making people laugh. And then um, it just seemed like the natural direction for me. And I guess because we're in this time of crisis that is now never ending, I imagine that clowning comes into its own, doesn't it? Yes. I felt the call right at the very beginning of lockdown. In fact, like literally in the first week of lockdown, I went for a walk with my friend Robin Hambrook and socially distant walks. And we were like, okay, what what should we do? We're both clown teachers. And we went, well, what, what do people need? People need to play. People need to find ways of shaking this through the body, expressing through the body, through clowning. And so we set up um, a Facebook group called Clown Workouts and we made little mini home workshops every single day. We put workshops out for six weeks every single day <laughs> and we curated some from other practitioners as well. We invited other clown teachers in to kind of give their slant on it and we built this Facebook group and we ended up with like, well now like I think there's close to 2,000 people in our Facebook group all over the world when oh yeah, that's what I need. I need to play. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the things that struck me through lockdown was the sheer deluge of funny stuff that came pouring into my WhatsApp groups, my Facebook feed. I mean, it's kind of reduced to a trickle now, but I is it that humour helps us deal with our fears, do you think? Is that, what, is that what's going on? The clown doesn't have any idea about social appropriacy or taboo doesn't have any idea about any of that the clown just plays with what's available so I think that's what humor has always been for I think humor is a really good way of getting air and space around really really big topics and for, for, for me and Robin and you know it just felt absolutely natural that the the clown is the right vehicle for now because we need to take this situation seriously. It's a really serious situation. But if we sit there taking the situation really seriously, then we're all going to implode or explode. And the clown for me is like a little release valve. I think, yeah, of course we need to laugh in times of crisis. Yes, it's the way we deal with it all, I guess. So how did you become a clown, Ollie? What's the process? 
I spent my entire inheritance on clown training. I went all around the world training with different clown masters. And you can do that. There's such a thing as clown school where you go and it's very serious. You know, you like really, you have to take your craft very seriously because it's hard. Like learning to clown is learning to put your vulnerability out in public. And it's, it's not easy. So you're not, you're not acting, you're being your... Yeah, and that, I think self. that's the, that's the that real big difference between comic acting and clowning is that the clown is you. It's your it's your inner child. It's your inner stupid, vulnerable, quirky, mad, eccentric self. So really, the process of learning to be a clown is is about stripping back rather than building up. So you take off the masks that you use to hide. Uh, and you present something much more sensitive and real and authentic and um, vital. I watched your TED Talk, which uh, really I'd recommend anyone to watch, and you start by clambering literally over the audience, which in itself is hilarious, just to get to the stage. (laughs) It takes ages. (laughs) I was crying with laughter and you hadn't even started your TED by this point. <laughs> so, but you use a lot of humour and slapstick and uh, to make some really profound points in your TED Talk about how to improve our connections. Can you just tell me a bit about that? The, the clown doesn't hide. It, everything is a game to the clown. So if I feel a bit nervous on stage, then I play with that. I play with my nervousness and I turn it up and I embody it and I become very, very nervous and I hide behind, you know, whatever I can find. I hide behind a flower or I hide behind you know, a cup or, you know, whatever I can find to hand. And and then, you know, through that, I, I, I kind of work through that feeling and that feeling is gone and leaves me space for the next feeling what's the next feeling oh great here's an audience oh wow here's an audience brilliant and I turn that up and I start to have fun with being seen and how does it feel to be seen by this audience and my my clown is a lot braver than me I'm quite shy um but my clown is very happy to put herself center stage and and be seen so you do you clown a lot even when you're not performing yeah, I mean, that's so, okay, this is the other thing, is that um, I clown at home a lot with my boyfriend. And I think, you know, it's a good way, it's one of the ways that we've got through this last six months. We live together, just the two of us. And, you know, there are times when we're just like, so we've taken to having fistfights. I mean, not actually fistfights, but kind of ridiculous scraps. When we notice ourselves getting into that, (laughs) we just start turning it up. And then it just becomes like a cartoon fight. and We fight all over the house. Uh, And, you know, we find different ways of, attacking each other we don't attack each other but you know find different comic ways of like running from one end of the house to the other to kind of bop each other on the nose um but yeah I mean I think just being able to name it just being able to name the atmosphere being able to name the feeling and to clown with it releases it tell us about your new show now it's on at the wardrobe except it's not on the wardrobe because nothing's on at the wardrobe so where is it on 
Da, da, da. Actually, this time, some of us will be at the wardrobe. We're going to be filming in the wardrobe, three of us, and the other ones are going to be beaming in from their own places. So it's going to be a mixture of some of us in the wardrobe and some of us outside the wardrobe. The company, it's my company, we're called Beyond the Ridiculous. And these are long-term students of mine that have been studying with me for a long time. And we perform a solo improvisation form called fooling. So it uses aspects of clowning, but there's no costume, there's no red nose. Uh, The performers take to the empty space and they just listen to whatever's going on inside of them. And then they start to play and they play all the different characters that normally live inside their head. So they play the inner critic and they play the inner cheerleader and they play the inner director and they play, uh, you know, the inner crisis one. Um, And they follow a thread and craft a a small chunk of theatre on the spot. And sometimes it can be dance and sometimes it can be text and sometimes it can be monologue and sometimes it can be movement. um, And it's different every single time. Uh, So this time we're going to be exploring the theme of the new normal. The new normal. Uh, That's related to the (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) It is. So we did, we got a little um, grant from the Wardrobe Theatre, which has just been amazing. And it's given us time to really explore theatre on Zoom and considering this little Zoom box to be a site specific little theatre set. And then we got, yeah, we got given a little bit of seed funding to to give us time to explore. Yeah, what are the what are the possibilities in this little Zoom world? What can we do in here? And we've found it's basically like improvising little films, and we're having so much fun with it. It's been such a joy. And we did one back in June. We did a show back in June called Voices of Lockdown, Live and Unleashed, and there were people beaming in from all over the world coming to see us embodying our truth in a ridiculous way. Now, it's been, as we know, a really, really tough time for theatres. So great that you've got your show coming up. But what what else is going on in theatre land? Oh, I, I'm really excited about what's been going on in theatre land. I mean, it's tragic. It's been tragic and awful and we've been overlooked and we've been you know, we we haven't been respected. Our profession has not been respected and has not been supported through this time. And it's yeah, it's been it's been incredibly painful, incredibly difficult time. But from the the ashes, there comes these amazing phoenixes. And just there's some really innovative, new, exciting ways of working. And there's two shows I'd like to talk about that I've been to see in lockdown one was right in the heart of lockdown and it was called the coddy wumple um, that's an old english word for um wandering around with no particular purpose i think and it was a beautiful innovation it was um gwen hales uh, who is a circus and street performer um she said do you know look we're all here we're all locked inside our houses we've all got our costumes here we've all got our characters here why don't we just go and entertain our neighbors so she put out this call out for all the circus and street performers all over bristol to find their own route plan their own route and for two hours on a sunday evening the performers went out and the audiences they could watch from their windows or they could come into their gardens or they could interact at a social distance and it was beautiful it was so it was so lovely so that was the coddy Wample, and I was really inspired by that and then on the weekend I just went to see a show called This Crossing 
Have you heard of that? No, no, tell me more. <gasps> it was amazing. It was over in Western Supermare and it was put on by Theatre Orchards and it, oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. So you arrive at the Marine Lake and you get given a set of headphones and in the headphones there's soundscape, music and text and you sit on one of the concrete seats that are alongside the marina and you look out over the sea and it's all happens during the time where the sun's setting so you have the light playing on the water and you have the sky and you have these three bodies in space and you're watching these three performers doing very slow very stylized very beautiful movement and you're invited to kind of you know take in the sea to take in the sky to take in the performers to take in the music to take in the text and have your own experience of the show and it was just amazing and completely new and something that's come out of this experience of covid and not having our theatres open absolutely and i heard on the grapevine that the guy who made this show martin bonga he'd been wanting to make this show for years and he'd been knocked back and he'd been knocked back so in our post covid world i'm not even sure it is post yet but let's call it post what is holly stoppitz vision i mean my vision my vision my vision is that one day clowning workshops will be as prevalent as yoga sessions. <laughs> so instead of like walking around town with your yoga mat, you'll see all these people walking around town with their red noses, just, um, you know, just dropping into a clown class because it feels like we've really hit on something. It feels like people really need this. People need a space to play and to connect in a safe way. And it feels like it's gaining some kind of traction. We will be putting on a conference in November, which is really exciting, which is called Clowns in Crisis. Um, so we're looking at how clowning can help you personally in times of crisis, but we're also looking at how clowns can help in times of crisis. So we're looking at clowns that go into war zones. We're looking at clowns that go into hospitals. We're looking at clowns that go out and do the good work and um, and help to release whatever needs to be released. Oh, Holly, thank you so much for talking to us today and uh, sharing a quarantini with us in late September, early October. Your show goes out on the 10th of October. Anyone around the world can watch it. Thanks so much to Holly Stoppit for stopping by. Sorry. <laughs> stopping <laughs> by. That's very good, Melissa. Making puns now. I have a friend who's specialist of puns. <laughs> Little homage, John, if you hear me. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Our weekly roundup. What do you have for me locally in Bristol? Some good news. Yes. So starting in Bristol, Bristol's a city famous for its balloon festival every August. And we have a brand new one in the skies this week. Unable to do their usual fundraising extravaganza for the Children's Hospital this year, Ardman Animations, who's brought us years of joy with Wallace and Gromit, have launched a new and very special Wallace and Gromit moon rocket. Um, the Grand Appeal, which has raised millions over the last 25 years to support critically ill children across Bristol and the Southwest, usually in the form of a trail of grommets, something like that, painted by famous artists, celebrities or organisations. But this year, they haven't been able to do that due to COVID. So instead, they've got a balloon and a giant plaster is on the side of the new balloon with its unique registration a nod to Wallace's love of cheese, G-E-Dam. 
Great. So where, where can we see the balloon? It's like flying over Ashton Court, right? Um, they say they'll they'll put it up over the year and each time it'll raise loads and loads of money for the Grand Appeal. That's nice because it's a very important one. Everybody loves them. Well, I said groom it all over town, so it's a good substitute. Moving on, Pommy, I've read that some Bristol researchers have found a potential game changer in the fight against COVID-19. Those researchers are based at the University of Bristol and they found a method that could stop the coronavirus to, in, from infecting human cells. And that works by identifying a draggable pocket in the SARS-CoV-2, you know, the, that's the name of the actual virus, and in their spike protein. So that's a very technical method, but I think it's very good news. And it happened here around in Bristol. So best of luck to the researchers. It's fantastic news. And staying in Bristol, this week's been really Bristol-based. I found a mother in Bristol who wants families to make more of their local playgrounds. And so she's launched an app. She's not only launched the app, she's actually made the app, Melissa. She went to college and learned how to make apps. She's a former maths teacher and she's designed this app after deciding with her daughter during lockdown to visit all the playgrounds in the city. And uh, she said Bristol City Council stopped funding the webpage which had the list and it became really hard to find them. So that's where the idea came from. And, you know, during lockdown, some of the soft play areas weren't open. Lots of places now you have to book ahead. So playgrounds are free. Anyone who's constrained by lack of money has something free. And it's a really good thing to do with your children. Yes, they obviously need to be outdoor, right? So hopefully the weather's going to stay not too harsh and let our children play in those playgrounds for quite a bit. And talking about the outdoors, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is just science fiction in the making. And I put this one in because watching the video makes just just made me think I was in the future. Honestly, Melissa, you have to see it if you haven't seen it. It's a new jet suit for paramedics to wear. So they can cover vast areas of the Lakeland Fells very fast compared with someone on foot. And if you look at the video, it is like watching James Bond. They are flying literally about three or four feet over the, off the ground, over the walls, up the fells, next to the moors, with these sort of... They they look like gauntlets. They're wearing gauntlets, but I suppose they're the they're the controls, and they they just hover above the ground. It's just extraordinary. Anyway, it's been tested by the Great North Air Ambulance Service in the Lake District, and I really recommend that you go and have a look at it. Yeah, it sounds a bit incredible. So they're flying over town to bring people to the hospital. Yeah, so it's really they're they're. They're trialling in the Lake District for walkers and mountaineers and climbers who get stuck and have accidents. So instead of having to send a great big team of mountain rescuers, which take maybe a couple of hours or more to reach the person, they fly them literally hovering above the ground. Brilliant. Well, we can't stop progress. <laughs> we'll all be doing it soon. We'll look back at this time and think, wow. It'll be completely Norman. It'll be how we get into town. Brilliant. Okay. I had to put this one in. This one is so heartwarming. It's a before and after COVID bike story. And you know how we like bike stories. Before COVID, a Birmingham mother, Jas Sandu, 
had planned to create a firm delivering food for office workers in the city. But of course, COVID-19 has left many offices empty and so that has failed. So instead of giving up, she created the Peddling Pantry. This is a plastic-free fruit and veg delivery service thanks to an electric bike that she's got called Babs. So every morning, five o'clock, she leaves home to cycle to Birmingham Wholesale Market and there she gets loads and loads of produce. She brings it back home, she boxes it all up and she delivers the boxes to households across the city in the evenings. And her children and her partner help her with their hybrid electric van as well. What do you think about that? Well, that's very, very kind. She trialled it with her neighbours and her neighbours loved it. So she then made a website in under 24 hours. And sometimes, Melissa, she puts in little surprises like dates. I love that. She's like a superwoman. She is a superwoman. I wish she lived in Bristol. I definitely would buy her a veg box. Yeah, Birmingham is like a twin city to Bristol, isn't it? There's some sort of link between the two, I find. Yeah. Maybe that'll inspire someone. Maybe you, you'll be the secret superwoman. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be the secret superwoman. I wouldn't be secret. I'd be shouting about it. Well, moving on globally, you know what? There's a very good news this week. There's a landmark moment, as some researchers have called it. 156 countries have agreed to try um, common allocation of vaccine for COVID-19 if it was ever to come about, of course. So the initiative is called COVAX. Well done. It plans to counterize basically the threat of, uh, you know, vaccine nationalism, as they call it. So basically, it's when all your researcher works super fast to get the vaccine for just your nations, like they're doing in the United States at the moment, for instance. And that's a way to just prioritize for instance the most vulnerable people and the health healthcare system the frontline workers first obviously so this coalition has agreed to this deal to enable a rapid and equitable global distribution of any new coronavirus vaccines to at least three percent of the participating country's population and that will help in that case to protect the most vulnerable. The plan has been co-led by the World Health Organization. And so COVAX now has include commitment from 35 economies as well as the whole of the European Union and Norway and Iceland. So that doesn't include us, but you never know. They might have mercy and say former members of the European Union might soon. I'm sure they will. And the thing is, no country is safe unless all countries are safe, which is the great thing, isn't it? Yes, kind of. So finally, Melissa, Saudi Arabia is to gradually resume a Muslim pilgrimage, which has been suspended for the last seven months because of the pandemic. From October the 4th, up to 6,000 Saudi citizens and residents are going to be allowed to undertake the Umrah each day. And then from November, this will rise to 20,000 when pilgrims who are deemed safe from other countries will be allowed to join in. The Umrah is an extra optional pilgrimage to the Hajj, which attracts 2 million pilgrims from all over the world every year. 
And although it includes some of the rituals of the most important pilgrimage, the Hajj, they're shortened and there are fewer of them. Well, that's, that's a very positive news for Muslim people because I know um, from all over the world, people who have been really disappointed, there's a point in life where it, for some people it's really important to do the Hajj and you can't really postpone forever. So that was a huge source of anxiety. So that's like a very nice plan B in a way to kind of catch up with your spiritual duties. Okay, Melissa, now it's time for a dash of something really exciting. Yeah, I'm very happy about this. They are one of Bristol's most successful bands ever. And they have just reached number one, just that, in the UK album chart with their new and third album named Ultramono. The band is called Idols, so they've made the city really, really proud. I think it means a lot for a lot of Bristolians because obviously the Bristol music scene started with punk bands 40 years ago. I think something quite unique and special for Bristol. There were obviously jazz bands and other music in Bristol, but that made Bristol quite well known in connection with other places in the world, New York, London, etc. And this is their third album in just over five years, I think and it's doing incredibly well and you know what's really really impressive for me is that it's number one but it's like really driven by the physical copies meaning people are getting back to buy cds and vinyls that's how much they love idols and they also plan to tour next year in europe so this guy seems to be defying the whole you know blockage in in the world right <laughs> they're selling hard copies they're successful by being extremely authentic and frank you know they address obviously a lot of issues about mental health masculinity including toxic masculinity uh, how to better your relationship especially in this country we're all very proud of them so let's play that track that's called a hymn and we are really really honored that they have allowed us to play their music Yes, thank you very much to Ellie and Mark. I want to be loved Everybody does I find shame in the crack Like corpse on the diver rain I want to be loved I find shame in a bad grip tight like a withering thing We made it Everybody 
that's it for the Quarantini this week. We'll be back with our next episode of New Cocktail of Ideas, music and positive news for you all. I want to be loved Everybody does Shame This podcast is hosted by me, Melissa Shemam. And was hosted and produced by me, Pomi Harmer. Thank you to everyone for listening. And stay safe.